0: what's up fam welcome back to that's the angle and in this episode i sit down with danielle glosser this one is really cool because you know this is an artist and creatives based podcast and the danielle is not necessarily an artist creatives creative person herself but Maybe in her own specific way she is, because what she does is she helps artists improve their business and make more money out of what they do. It sounds kind of salesy when I say stuff like that, but no, seriously, Like check this out. She has a whole consulting company that's dedicated to helping artists make more money, better niche themselves, better position themselves, uh, their business, their career. It's, it was honestly really cool and really fascinating sitting down with her and hearing uh, how she's worked with artists, how she's helped people, and of course, you know me, I uh, picked her brain and, you know, I got some great info for you guys during the interview, like stuff like an artist statement. I never realized that that was so dang important, but clearly it is if you want them big bucks. So, you know, if you want some tips on how to improve your art career, maybe refine it, make those big dollars, you know, this is an interview for you. Honestly, uh really opened my eyes as well. But that being said, guys, you can watch this interview on YouTube. Of course, uh, and that is YouTube.com slash That's The Angle, which, of course, like I mention every time, is growing crazily. So I'm so grateful for you guys for listening, subscribing. And if you want to show your love, please do it on there or leave a comment, rating, review on iTunes or however you can. It all helps. All right, guys, that's it. And let's get into this interview. Enjoy. That's the angle. That's the podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to That's the Angle. And I'm joined here with Daniel Glosser. Did I say hey, that right? You did. Oh, my God. I get so nervous every time I say someone's name. But, uh, Danielle, um, I woke up this morning and I saw something very interesting. Uh, I saw that there's going to be an art fair, a virtual art fair, by Monochrome Collective and the Halcyon people. And I don't know how to feel about a virtual art fair.
1: Well, that's all we got these days. So <laughs>
0: <Have you laughs> better been than nothing.
1: Have,
0: have you been to any? Like, have you have you attended any online or anything?
1: I've checked out a few like more big time art fairs, like Art Basel, and um, some other art fairs have had virtual shows. So some are better than others. You know, it really depends on the platform they're using and how much money and time they dedicate to setting it up.
0: What do they do? Like, did they set up an actual gallery and then go around with a video camera like auctioning off or like, is exactly. that what they do?
1: <laughs> or some are just slideshows. It really depends on the format. But, you know, it gives people an opportunity to look at work and also gives artists an opportunity to show their work. So I think that artists should really be seizing the chance to submit for any and all online exhibitions.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it definitely feels like an opportunity for artists by far, but the experience for me just feels kind of ruined. Like it just kind of feels like that is not the art show you really want, but it's kind of like the art show we have right now.
1: Right, I mean, it's definitely different. Like nothing is gonna replace seeing a piece of art in person. But for people that are trying to support artists and even for big time collectors, I've been on a few conference calls where people are really saying that collecting is connecting and it's important to support artists and you can establish a relationship with them online just as well as in person.
0: That's true. That's true. I mean, I feel like right now, like even though literally, uh, what is it? The Sunday Times, they said that artists... Is like the number one non-essential job.
1: I saw that.
0: You saw that?
1: I totally saw that.
0: Oh my I I don't know how to feel about that. I'm, I'm kind of butthurt about that, but I don't really believe it.
1: Yeah, I definitely don't believe it. I have a client that says he always feels like the least important person in the room, and he's like pretty well known and very accomplished. So it just makes me sad to see that commentary on artists and our community and others, because I think that they clearly hold the torch to the state of the world and what they're creating and sharing with us can change lives and does.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I definitely think that, uh, that whoever that artist is definitely has an insecurity problem because I have probably way less good work than he does. And I always feel like the hottest shit in the room, but that's probably a me problem. <laughs> because but, you are. Exactly. Here we go. You see this hair? God damn. But, um, but, yeah, no, uh, I I can definitely sympathize, but it seems like more than ever um the artists take on what's going on right now is is very important and it's 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 letting the message get across to people in different ways that re- you you can't use by just posting a black square or someone just yelling at you. Like I've never seen so many creative ways to display like how to feel guilty for being white in in the best <laughs> graphics <laughs> Like people are making the most like amazing looking graphic designed things about like white shame. And it's and I'm kind of making fun of that too. But like at the same time, it's like people are using their art for the purpose right now. And and it's really helping the world right now.
1: Well, I think many artists always have. It's interesting because my background's actually social justice work. I came at this from doing work on race issues for 15 years. I worked for, private firm, the government and a nonprofit. And so I'm kind of rooted in these issues and it's phenomenal to see how artists are using this platform to share their piece and what they feel should be happening. I just had a client that did a mural downtown and he was in several major news publications including usa today the new york times he was on two tv shows so for him to get attention like this would have never happened if you know the protests didn't begin
0: in a lot of ways right now as an artist you have to seize the moment
1: totally well you always have to seize the moment but yeah yeah (laughs) but
0: but like art commentates on bad things and it's like and that's something I made up. I'm like, no, that's my phrase right there. But like it's it, in a lot of ways, this is your moment as an artist, especially as like an African-American artist to use your voice, not just to, for the message, but for your own set benefit and your own satisfaction.
1: Well, and all artists don't do work based on social justice issues. And there is a th- theory out there that you should only create art on social justice issues. So it really depends on where you come at. work from. I literally 18 minutes ago released a newsletter called Black Art Matters and highlighted 12 of my black clients and there's a variety of work. You know you have some simple beautiful landscapes and you have some political work and you have some photographs that are very compelling so you know I think that one can come at their practice how they desire.
0: Yeah, I I don't know how I feel about that statement of like art should only be about activism. It feels kind of like, eh. I, I I why can't you just draw stick figures having a good time? Like, why does it have to be something?
1: <laughs> yeah, I really encourage my clients to come at their practice from the their framework. Whatever they want to accomplish is what they should focus on, not what they're art professor said or their parents or their partners, I really believe it should come from within. So if that's the spark they want to ignite, then go for it. If they're into drawing landscapes, then I think that's great too.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see that. I feel like as an artist, in some ways, it, it can be kind of easy to do like political activism art.
1: I don't think doing any form of art is easy.
0: <laughs> well, I mean like like you could draw some abstract thing, but if you did like a Donald Trump sort of like picture mashed with some m- mashed with like a book burning in his hand or something, like all of a sudden you're going viral on Instagram when that was never your art before. But, you know, you get what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: maybe. Maybe. I mean, I don't think that artists are going to have success if they fake something. So if that's not true to who they are and what they're trying to share as their story, then I don't care if it goes viral or not. It doesn't reflect their personal, uh, what they're trying to accomplish with their
0: practice. Yeah. It, but on, on the same token, and this is my naive opinion, it's like, It's smart to do that as an artist from a business side. Like it's smart to do certain things and and you should mean it as well. But you know, if it's the difference between you making that piece or you watching Netflix, like you should definitely make that piece about the world's events right now because that can benefit you more.
1: If the artist wants to, I mean, everyone's not an artist to make money. Some people create art. I have a client who can't breathe without having a paintbrush in his hand. I mean, some people so beautiful. So so life and death to them, and um, some people just want the recognition. Some people's goals are to be in a certain gallery or to have a curator, include them in a certain show with a nonprofit, or some people just want to share their work with the world. I had someone hire me once who just wanted to put her work into different auctions and didn't care about selling it. She just wanted to donate it.
0: Wow, Jesus, that's like some altruism right there. That's for it. sure. <laughs> it, it's it's so crazy. What a spectrum of people. It's like you never find lawyers who are like, I don't need the money. I'm just doing this because I believe in the people. <laughs>
1: well, some lawyers I do promoter work because of that, but yeah, you know.
0: and and I'm sticking on like, and I could easily go to like what you do, which is what we're going to get to next. But like, I think it's really interesting to look at what artists are doing at this time in this really interesting slice of history we're in right now because like i love the fact that everyone boarded up but then everyone started using the boarded up boards as uh as like little new art galleries and they've been hiring artists to do the boards because before that they were hiring artists to, like paint on the windows which is kind of like eh, like that's cool but like now you're seeing artists do these cool murals on the boards and like it's like whoa like, that's such a cool sort of adaptation to just Life right now.
1: And the Smithsonian's going to be collecting them. I mean, like you said, we're at an interesting part of history right now. And so they're very smart to be figuring out how they're going to store those boards and whatever else they collect from the protests. And hopefully it'll be a profound impact on youth in the future.
0: You're right. Isn't that funny that they're already collecting the stuff that's around? I think mean, it's awesome. It totally is awesome. It's kind of funny, right? Imagine if you saw someone going up and like ripping your board down, like because you drew yeah. like this nice mural. Don't worry, we're at the Smithsonian. Don't worry. That's what <laughs> well, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna find like
1: asking permission first,
0: but <laughs> I'm gonna go I'm gonna go find Maggie O'Neill's mural somewhere. I'm just gonna steal it and say it's part of the Smithsonian.
1: <laughs> I work with her, so be careful.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> But yeah, no, I I just, I just think, uh, and for people listening, Maggie O'Neill is like a really big artist in DC who I've yet to have on the podcast, but she's doing big things. And that's why I referenced her because that'd be an easy sell. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just so fascinating how artists have been activated during this whole political unrest, like to go from COVID where, artists are getting literally no gigs where it's just dead, no more art shows to people adapting and doing online art shows, which is awesome because now collectors and people want to help artists. And now artists are helping with the message of all the political and the new sort of like consciousness going around the world. Like it's it's been a really interesting past few months.
1: Well, I don't even think we've begun to see the results of the pandemic in terms of art that's created and not just visual art. I mean, I think we're going to see all sorts of literary works and other forms of art come out in the future because people were holed up for months by themselves (laughs) with nothing to do but write or create their film or whatever they do.
0: Right. It's it's kind of a good time to be an artist because if if you did it right and you've been collecting the unemployment checks, you're living pretty good these days. Like you're you're probably doing better than you were before <laughs> everything. Maybe. I know, I know some of my artist friends are. Like ever they're like, Yeah, life's been great. I'm chilling.
1: Well, there's also been a lot of emergency grants available.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And locally here in DC, a couple of nonprofits were able to gain major grants so they could give smaller ones to artists. So that was been
0: Awesome. Yeah, I think that's I think that's been really awesome is realizing that this has been important because while everyone's been chilling at home, they've just been consuming art. Like they may not recognize it, but films in your Instagram and anything that you do—it's entertainment. That's a form of art. So to call that non-essential seems kind of weird. Exactly. Right? Like we've been keeping you occupied for the past four months. Give us some credit here. For sure. Yeah, but in relation to you and. um have you on the podcast. uh, You do something very interesting and that is, correct me if I'm wrong here, you help artists become better at their business.
1: Exactly. Right. So I help empower them as entrepreneurs because the fact is, if you have sold any work, then you're really in some worlds considered a professional artist. And if you're looking to sell more, then you need to treat your practice as a business. So I basically assess the business side of their art practice and give them specific action items to take as well as a time frame to consider in order to achieve their goals.
0: Mm, so what does that look like? Like how does that work? Like what when an artist comes to you, what's like the first thing you say?
1: So I have a whole process I take them through. The first thing is I look at their branding and marketing materials. And then I interview them to learn all about them and their work and how they're kind of wired so I can best assess recommendations to give them. I then go through this 25-item scale that I developed after working with about 125 artists in 16 different states the past five years. And I then have a debrief meeting with them to show them where they're at based on where they want to be. So again, it's all based around what their goal is. If you tell me you want solely to make money, then we're going to take a different route than if your goal is to be in the museum.
0: Do you think it's wrong for an artist to only want to make money?
1: Not at all. I don't think it's wrong for an artist to do anything. I think, again, I only ask my clients to be true to themselves, to think through what they want to share with the world and what they don't want to share, and that's up to them.
0: Mm. So, is there like a common theme that you see artists are struggling at? Like, is there a common thread that you see? Because you've seen, you said you talked to over a hundred artists. Is there something in common that they all kind of lack, or is it something that is similarly wrong with their business approach? Different for
1: each artist, but. Overall, I'd say people really struggle with their artist statement. I think it's very difficult to encapsulate in, you know, a page or page and a half, why you do your work, what inspires you about the materials, about the process. And so I definitely think artists, they use their visual work to express how they feel and what they're trying to share with the world, not the written word. So if they don't have a background in writing, and even if they do, sometimes it can be a real challenge to work through that. But I created three exercises that I take artists through, so it's not like they're sitting down to write a statement. It's more that they're generating a bunch of words and sentences that we use as data to help them draft uh, the artist statement.
0: What What's so good? What's so special about the artist statement?
1: Well, it's essential to have one if you're a professional artist, because that's what, you know, curators and art consultants look at three things on your website if they're reviewing your work. They look at the work itself. So you better have professional photographs of your work that look good. They review your CV to see, you know, where you've exhibited, what kind of awards you've won, where you've had residencies and such. And they also look at your artist statement to see how you articulate your work because that's important. You know, if you just create work and you don't know how to express it verbally, that's a real challenge.
0: What do you mean? Doesn't the art speak for itself?
1: (laughs) To some, if, you know, the average viewer, but a curator or an art consultant needs to know a bit more and they're not going to necessarily meet you. So you need to have that information readily available.
0: But, couldn't, but your art could just be so damn good that none of the other stuff matters. But generally speaking, it's like a good business practice?
1: It could be. I mean, all of the art consultants I work with, they look at all of those items. I think maybe if there was someone out of an MFA program and the work just really struck a gallerist off their feet, mm, I, see what I still think there's going to want to see some type of information or meet the artist and hear directly from them about the work itself because they're looking at the long term uh, practice, not just what the artist is doing now it's an investment for a gallerist to bring someone in on the into their stable
0: you know what this kind of reminds me of it kind of sounds like the music industry in a sense like it's very similar I mean minus the fact that like but it- Anyways, it sounds like music industry. Like the fact that you might find an artist who's young and has like a promising, like the investment into their future, which is why you'd want to see all these things. But is there some is that happen a lot where a gallerist might find a young talent and sort of kind of groom them and raise them like that?
1: Oh, absolutely! In fact, there are certain exhibitions set up for such artists to do like a test to see how the public responds to their work.
0: Interesting, like a. Like an exhibition, kind of, or?
1: Exactly. Right. So, so, a gallerist might choose, you know, five artists to show before in a certain space before showing, before bringing them in to their stable to see how they're perceived.
0: Stable. That's the name for like all the people signed to their art record label.
1: <laughs> well, to a gallery, yes.
0: Yeah. I, I like that. It's stable. It's so random. Kind of yes. like horses in a farm. I don't know how to feel about that.
1: Me too. It's, it's a funny term, but that's what it's
0: used. <laughs> no, that's really cool. That's really cool. So the work itself, the CV, your accomplishments, and the artist statement, those three things are like the main things that if you're approaching like your business and en- enhancing your business, like you at least have to have those things.
1: Right, but you also... I mean, there's a lot of elements to create the machine needed to run a practice. I mean, these days you have to have social media really unless you're already established you have to have you know a good database to maintain connections with your nearest and dearest as well as new people that you're bringing into your network so it's a whole process just like creating any other business
0: but most artists aren't business people that's that's the problem right like that's why they need you is because most artists don't know what the heck they're even doing in that world
1: Exactly. Right. I mean, some artists do come at it from another profession. So they might have a little more information, Mm -hmm. but for sure, unless someone has a partner that's more business oriented or a family member, a good friend, they really need someone to help them along the path. And that's why, you know, I created my business because I realized there was a big hole what's the whole they don't have the business skills so if they don't have someone in their life then they're going to have to learn how to do it themselves
0: so can you like walk me through exactly what you do with them i mean you kind of touched on it a little bit but i'm just curious like maybe like use like an example of someone who is like a success story or something
1: sure i have a lot of examples um, some really fun stories like i had one guy come to me who very established, major public art projects around the country. He does commissions for famous people. He's in a hybrid gallery overseas. And when he showed me his business card, I was like, what are you, an accountant? I mean, this is a <laughs> terrible business card. <laughs> so we put one image of a sculpture that he created on a side of the business card, and then just his contact information on the other. And literally a month later, he was offered a solo exhibition just because of the business card.
0: Whoa. Like, what? His
1: work is that good. So I might see things differently. I mean, some other examples are, I have a fabulous portrait artist, and he was struggling to get commissions. And I said, well, have you ever thought of doing commissions of children and he said no (laughs) i took them around in one weekend to my friend's houses and got him five commissions so sometimes it's just seeing things differently because like anyone you're you're stuck in your own world so if you bring someone in to show you a different light then it can add to your practice um
0: a couple others Oh yeah, Sorry? no, no, keep going. I like these. These are great. They're oh yeah. A couple other
1: stuff. fun stories. Um, there was a five star hotel in town that wanted a mural. So I brought in a few folks and they picked the mural as they like. And they wanted one mural for four thousand dollars. And while we were walking around with the artist, I really picked up that they had more money than they told me, and they had more wall space. So I talked them into doing two murals for $12,000. Ooh. So I don't think the artist would have done that on her own.
0: <laughs> yeah, if I'd have just gotten that 4,000 and just, just stopped right there.
1: Right, right. So sometimes I you know, serve as like a representative to my artist because I do try to help them sell their work by creating opportunities for them. I've had a few folks contact me with art emergencies. Like wow. literally they need something to happen now and they're stuck. So two curators have contacted me because shows fell through at the last minute. So they've chosen a few of my clients to put something up within a two week period, which is a very quick turnaround mm-hmm. for an exhibition. So that's been fun.
0: That's, um, that's really awesome. Um hold- I think I'm getting like my own self feeding back. Could you turn down your speakers a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure.
0: I think I might have done it. There we go. Yeah, because I was picking my own self up. That's a oh, problem. Okay. Yeah, that's like why I was like wear headphones because that. But it's cool. You just now you got to strain your ears and go deaf for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah, that's so cool because I feel like most artists would have got just gotten starry at, at four thousand and been like. Oh! but they wouldn't have picked up on these like business or these context clues that, like, that you're kind of bringing to the table.
1: Even people that have been in the field their whole careers. I mean, I just told a client this year, she had a great relationship with a New York gallerist that went you know, to the side for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So I told her, rekindle that. Like, Who cares if he doesn't have a gallery anymore? He still has his network. So she did, and it led to a solo show at oh. another... Location. So, just things like that where I'm, I feel like I'm just encouraging my clients more to put themselves out there and try new things and utilize their network and go for the gold. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is they say no or, you know, you're rejected from your application for a show or a prize. And sure, that can really wear on some people over time, but you can't be an artist if you can't handle rejection. So you definitely have to figure out a way to cope with that and not take it personally.
0: Well, you also um, can't be an artist if you're not making money.
1: True. So you know? a lot of people have a side gig or a full-time job and they, um, use that money to supplement their art practice.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I back what you're saying like a, a couple of sentences earlier is I 100% think networking is one of the biggest things an artist needs to do. Like, I've seen artists who have trash work, but they're good networkers and good marketers, and they sell a lot of stuff. They get a lot of placements, people are buying their stuff. But, and then I've also seen the, the opposite, which I'm sure you've seen way more than I have, of artists who are insanely talented, but they're stuck living at their mom's house because they don't know how to even put together a website. And it's just like, it blows my mind sometimes that, that, that some people just don't put two and two together.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think networking actually for any entrepreneur is really essential to be able to provide those in your world updates with what you're doing and why it's important for them to be involved and to tap into who you know and ask favors of people. Um, I have one client, well, two in particular who really just started their art practices maybe three or four years ago on a professional front. And they are killing it. I mean, it is wild to me what they've accomplished because they're showing all over the world. They are making major sales and granted they, you know, came to the art practice with this huge network already, but it's really provided them with a great way to show their work.
0: And in, in, what did you say the reason why they were so successful?
1: Just from tapping into their network to really working their network and asking for favors. I mean, clearly they have good artwork too, mm-hmm. but they've just taken advantage of asking for opportunities with people that they know.
0: Mm, like, can we do a show here or do you want to commission kind of stuff?
1: Exactly. Right.
0: Interesting. Mm
1: -hmm. Now for younger artists that are fresh out of school or whatever, that can be tougher because they haven't, you know, had as many years to establish a group, but that's where you can kind of go to the second tier. Like look at your friend's parents and their Mm -hmm. communities. Like, do they know someone? And one tool that's phenomenal that Everyone that is an artist that comes to me, I feel they overlook is the power of LinkedIn. They look at LinkedIn as only something for business people. And I totally disagree because if there's a curator or a particular head of a nonprofit where you want to show or a company that you want to pitch to to sell your work to, you can go in LinkedIn and type in that person's name or the company and see who you know that knows someone there. So even if you're in college right now, you can create a LinkedIn profile, add not only your friends, but their family members as well, people from your school, you know, people that are your neighbors or coaches or anyone, and you'll have a few hundred folks, and it's shocking to see how many people you can access that way.
0: You mean like like I, I see exactly what you're saying. Like that seems like such an artist hack they wouldn't think about because all the professional people who own businesses are on there. And I'm totally. sure they might want art for their office or they might want a mural commission or you might, like you said, you might find that nonprofit that you really like personally as an artist and you could find an easier way to access them as opposed to like DMing them on Instagram. You could find their head of marketing or head of whatever and just send them a private message, right?
1: That's right. And in fact, one of my clients I encouraged just to post his work on LinkedIn because he has his own business and he has a lot of business associates and who knows what would happen. He got 3 commissions from a university. Whoa. Yeah, it's wild. So and
0: just from posting it on there and just showing people his work?
1: That's it. One it, post on LinkedIn and he got 3 commissions.
0: LinkedIn's like the stepchild that everyone forgets on social media that's really powerful. Like, I remember, do you follow Gary Vaynerchuk at all? No. Oh, wow. Um he's like this big YouTube marketing guy. He owns a really big advertising agency in New York. Um, And he, for years, has been saying LinkedIn, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is like the hack right now because of just how powerful it is and the people that are on it.
1: Totally, totally. And, you know, if you write articles about your process or, you know, whatever blog type information about what you're doing with your art practice, you're more apt to even get more followers.
0: Mm, Interesting. Do you think the followers are really important?
1: I mean, I don't buy into the fact on Instagram or whatever that you have to have a certain amount of followers to be successful. I think it's more about quality versus quantity because if you have a solid group of a few hundred followers that are really into your work Mm -hmm. and who buy things, that's golden. I mean, that's more important than having 15,000 followers. I mean, I actually just had someone contact me this guy has like ten thousand followers, and he's struggling to sell work because he doesn't even know half these people.
0: Yeah, that's so true, right? If 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 you have fifteen thousand people, but they're all just schmucks who follow you because you're like you've done some Instagram content that went viral, then it's like okay. But if you have two hundred gallerists and collectors following you, that's a whole lot different. Or even vice versa, if you have two hundred followers, but you actually have a network in real life that's so much more important than flexing on the grammar, like looking cool on social.
1: Totally. I have one client, really accomplished sculptor. And she came to me because she has about 500 pieces in her inventory that she wants to get rid of. I mean, she's getting older. So I said, all right, well, let's look at your list of collectors and see what we could do. She didn't have one. I was shocked. I mean, it's not like she sold everything through a gallery either. She just never tracked her collectors. And when you think about it, it's so hard to convert one person into buying into your artwork that once you do, you better nurture that relationship. I mean, you should be in touch with them several times a year, not to make a sale, but just to keep in touch, whether it's on your newsletter or an email just saying hey or a holiday card, inviting them to your exhibitions. I mean, I think that's super important and often overlooked by artists.
0: I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I recently read a, a book about sales, and uh that was one of the things he said is like most of my new customers come from old customers because he would nurture their, the relationships and keep a list and inventory of like their birthdays and all this stuff. And it would mean a lot that they'd hook him up with like other people to sell insurance to. But for an artist, it could be, you know, their friend or, or, or someone close to them.
1: Right. And I personally, that's how I get a lot of my clients are from referrals from other artists, you know, whether they worked with me four years ago or yesterday, I appreciate them sharing my information with folks. Mm-hmm. So that's for any business.
0: Yeah, I think so. But I think what you said is is having that list. It almost sounds like an email list, but it's like, are you saying like just however you can keep track of the people who support you?
1: Well, I encourage people to have like a MailChimp or Constant Contact account so they can actually shoot off nice looking newsletters every quarter or whatever time frame they decided to set up because it just looked better, the more professional instead of just sending out an email with one photo. Mm.
0: So I pulled up something on my Instagram and, uh, cause I love that you post statements by artists that you've worked with. I want to read this one because I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really cool. It's a pretty recent one. Um, this is from, Carol Rowan, artist, she said, I hired Danielle on the spot after talking with her about Client Razor services. Client Razor, of course, is the name of your, your company. Uh, I followed her directions immediately. Month by month, my social media followers rose. My studio work grew. I've, I was even asked to do a commission based off of a newsletter that I sent out and got a solo show from a former contact that she encouraged me to rekindle. Wow. Uh, now I consider Client Razor an essential part of my expanding art business. Being involved, with Danielle's the best of that I have made as a professional artist. Exclamation part, end quote.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. This isn't the Tonight Show. You don't got to worry about it. All right. We all have lives. Don't worry. (laughs) But I, I thought that statement was amazing. And as I was like looking through Instagram, you have tons of other statements from artists who are like, "Yo, Danielle has really helped me out."
1: Yeah, I feel like that if artists are considering working with me, that they should see what some of my other clients have said, and um, so I think that's important to share.
0: But that's the business aspect, right? That's the testimonials. Exactly. We, I know, I know, I know what you're doing there. That's exactly. the, that's that's the testimonial. Oh, dear. I
1: mean, I'll have people hire. This just happened last week. I had someone hire me just because I work with a specific other artist in town, like. Oh she didn't care she didn't ask me anything she said you work with so-and-so i want to hire you and that's happened a few times so it's interesting to see how people think and that could be the same for an artist and selling their work oh my neighbor bought your work and i love their taste so i'm gonna buy a piece too
0: Mm. well also i think showing that you've sold stuff too like you said testimonials like showing that you've made that sale as an artist it looks good to other people too. Like, And some artists feel weird about it. Like, They think it's like they're flexing or or they're boasting, but it's like, no, you have to show that other people are supporting you and buying your art and that you're important.
1: Absolutely. Every time you make a sale or you win a prize or you get in an exhibition or you finish a series or anything that's newsworthy, I I encourage people to share on social media because that's important to tell your audience.
0: So, the one thing I can't help but wonder, and I think a lot of artists wonder, is how do you profit off of this? Like, like you're clearly, like you definitely bring something to the table, at least from my perspective. But like, what prevents them from calling you like like a, a shill or like or like you know, kind of like taking a piece of their pie or something like that? Like, how does that work for you? Do you take a commission in the future? Is it an upfront? Like, how does that?
1: Sure. Well, like any business, you know, you have to invest in the marketing side. So I do charge a flat rate of four ninety-five to get started with me through that process that I described before with the interview and the twenty-five item assessment tool as well as the debrief. So for five hundred bucks, I mean you sell one painting off of the information that I share with you and you've recouped your money. So it's really not outlandish. It's not like I'm charging $5,000 here, which some people do that do similar work to me. And also my work is one-to-one. I mean, some people out there say, pay me $3,000 to watch my 10 videos. So I really pride myself on working on an individual level with each artist. And that's what I enjoy. So... Um, when it comes to if I get a sale for a client, then sure, I get a commission because I'm using of my network. Yes. Of well, my commission's much lower than, say, a gallerist or an art consultant. I charge between 20 to 30%, but I work with the artist because sometimes we have a third party involved. What if an interior designer is selling and wants a piece of the pie or an art consultant wants a piece of the pie? So I'm always looking out for my clients and trying to get them the best deal so even though i deserve to be paid i'm also making sure that the artist gets what they want from the situation which changes from one client to the next in terms of the collector so my clients know that if i come to them each scenario is going to be different so i say this here is how it's going to go for this opportunity and they can either do it or not. I mean, it, I'm just providing them with the opportunity. It's, in the end, if they don't want to do it or they don't think it's a fair deal, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that.
0: And do you, do you make them sign like some sort of contract or something like that?
1: Oh, sure. I have a pretty extensive contract because if I'm borrowing work from an artist to take to another property, I want the artist to know that it's covered by insurance, that if I'm leaving oh, it I somewhere, see. it's covered by their insurance. I want permission to promote them on social media. You know to make sure that they know what I'm doing is all upfront and um, transparent.
0: So essentially, when when that person pays for that initial service that you said that was like four ninety five or something like that, um, they now like become a part of your sort of stable in in a in a way. In a way, like you now in a exactly. you now will look out for them. For their best interest going forward.
1: Right. But I never promise anything. and I don't charge any kind of retainer because it's the art world. I have no idea what's going to happen. All I can tell you is I'm always out there. Like right now, I literally am pursuing 12 different opportunities for my clients with either companies or private collectors or nonprofits. So I'm always hustling, but I never promise a thing.
0: And that's cool. I think that's cool that you're hustling for them because you're connecting. And so you, it's like you have to take a commission on that. You're not just taking advantage of people, which I think some artists could be skeptical about, even just an artist being skeptical about investing $500 up front. Like that could seem scary to a lot of artists. I know artists who would couldn't do that, but it's like, well, did you go to school? I bet you're thousands of dollars in debt for school and your school doesn't promise you shit when you get out. At, we know Danielle here who has... A guaranteed track record of artists who have gotten you know gigs and other things, and it's like, and you're scared to invest 500 into that. Well,
1: when you think about their supplies, I mean, just paying for paint and sculpture products and your photography items, you know, in a year really adds up. So again, it does take someone that's willing to do the work and understands the value. But if they talk to some of my old clients they definitely hear how I've been helpful. And um, so hopefully that encourages them to maybe not even necessarily work with me, but just take their the business side of their art practice more seriously.
0: Which is hella important, which is why I even had you on the show because it's something that most people don't even get exposed to the fact that every successful artist, you know, aside from the 0.1% of Basquiat that everyone idolizes, aside from him, it's like, every successful artist has a strong business practice behind it.
1: Or someone helping them on that front for sure. So, and really I'd say my clients that are full-time artists and financially stable, they probably spend half of their time on the business front really. wow! Because it's a lot when you think about applying for grants, applying for residencies, applying for exhibitions, pitching, to art fairs or gallerists or whomever it's it's very labor-intensive plus they have to update everything you know you have to have your work photographed and you have to be posting on social media it, it, again it's a whole machine that operates and there's lots of elements to it
0: yeah it's it's a very complex machine that it's like did we post today Did we update our website did we follow up with our lead from the DM, you know, did we thank our customers? It's like, there's so many things that can get so overwhelming. And then on top of that, you still have to be an artist. Exactly. Right.
1: But I do help people. Like I have a great network of folks that I'll outsource things to. So like if you don't want to maintain your website or you don't want to do your social media or you need help on the legal front, I definitely have people that I direct folks to.
0: Mm, Okay. Yeah. It's like they get access to your network as well.
1: Exactly. I mean, I'm not going to introduce them to a particular gallerist or art consultant because I just don't do that. Now, if a gallerist or an art consultant comes to me, which happens all the time, then definitely I'm looking at my roster and I'm going to share with them who I think fits the bill of whatever they're looking for.
0: Like you wouldn't introduce them to someone because that's not in your best interest too. like you like you're cutting yourself out there.
1: No, it's more because I don't want, I know what galleries and art consultants to go through. They have Mm. hundreds of artists approach them all the time. And so I'm not going to, you know, pursue anything for a particular artist unless asked. It's kind of like, I'm a big believer. Don't give people advice unless they ask you for it. So if you're complaining to me about your partner, I will say, do you want my opinion before I just shoot it out there? So likewise, if a if a gallerist or an art consultant that is looking for a particular type of work, they know me. I mean, at least in our community, I mean, I know some people in other states as well, but primarily in the DMV so if they want help they're gonna ask me now on occasion I will go on a limb for example Last year an art consultant was curating a major show that involved like a hundred artists So I asked her I said, you know Would you be willing to look at a few of my clients and she was thrilled out of her mind because she knew she had to find a hundred artists, so I gave her a list of like 18 artists that I thought she'd be interested in and she picked all of them
0: <laughs> and, and, and vice versa you're saving her a lot of time because not every artist is ready for every opportunity
1: right exactly yeah and that's, and and that's so, where your
0: wisdom comes in
1: exactly so um it was a win-win for everybody
0: is there a most successful client you have like someone well, who just it always depends wins.
1: on what front I mean financially money money, money. I, oh yeah, I have a client that sells work for $100,000 a pop. Routinely? Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked when she hired me because clearly she's doing well, but she just wanted someone to really dig deep into her, the business side of her practice to see what could be improved upon. So since I've worked with her, she's added Shopify to her website. She's doing more prints. She has more time to do – she has representational work, and she wanted to go more the abstract route. Mm -hmm. So she's had more time to do that. Um,
0: So how did you help someone who was already, like, so successful?
1: Right. That's what I'm sharing with you now, what she has changed up. Um, Because for her, it wasn't about money. It was about time.
0: Oh, she wanted more of her freedom back.
1: Right. So we talked about what she could outsource, what she could afford without losing control over her, you know, quote unquote product.
0: Mm, That's so interesting. Wow. It it still blows my mind to hear that some artists are so successful like that. I think that's so cool. It gives other artists hope that like you can achieve a lot if you're just a little more mindful of your business.
1: Absolutely. And that you're targeting the right audience, which I'm a big believer. Every artist has an audience. And that's why I don't discriminate against any artist. If someone wants to work with me, I'm happy to try to help them. I might tell them in the process, like, I don't think you're willing to do what it takes to be a professional artist. Or I might say, you know, I actually did this with a client. His, his, His work was really on the fence between craft and fine art. Cause he thought they were sculpture, but I really didn't think so. I thought they were more craft. So I told him, I said, look, your number one goal is to make money. So you should go the craft route. You're going to make way more money. And that was painful for him. But he saw my point and he did that. And he got re- he got commissions at three different restaurants for his work.
0: What do you mean craft versus, versus fine art? Like, What's that distinction?
1: I guess for me, it's just a visual feeling. Like if something mm-hmm. just doesn't... Like he was describing a sculpture, but... I, his work would never be found in a fine art gallery. It wasn't That's that quality saying. of sculpture. So I think that he understood that and he decided to go the craft route, which has totally worked out for him. I
0: see what you're saying. It's kind of like a photographer who wants to shoot like fine fashion editorials, but really his work looks like commercial work. It's like, it's like right. no, you just got to well, be honest with yourself here. It's like you're, you're you have the wrong notion of what your art looks like
1: exactly and then you have some people that like do drawings where others would interpret it as graphic design so there's a fine line there too
0: stephanie you're you're the you're the uh what is it you're the you're the uncle that tells you how it is at the dinner table
1: exactly (laughs) i don't sugarcoat nothing
0: and that's good people i feel like so many people are just getting ego stroked and it's like sometimes you need someone to sit down like look dog like you don't know what the hell you're doing.
1: Oh yeah, I will tell you. Your website is antiquated. You need a new one.
0: <laughs> God, yeah. I, I just this this person I met just flashed my mind. I remember, I had an art studio up in Tacoma at the DC Art Studios. Have you? I'm sure. you've
1: Oh know. sure, I've done some workshops for them. In fact, I have about five clients up there.
0: Oh no way, that's awesome. Yeah, I I I don't know who's in there now, but I remember there was an artist I knew there named Farnoosh. And um, she would show me her paintings. And they were big. They were big, like four by five paintings. And I was like, how much are these? She's like, $15,000. I was like, but I was like, have you sold any? She was like, no, not really. I'm just like, what? What? Like, like what are you doing here? <laughs> and they were beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But it just seemed like the the antithesis of what you're talking about just lacked everything besides this, you know, just... But anyways, that, that, that was my. I get frustrated sometimes when I look at some of these artists, um, and I'm not perfect. I'm still working on myself too. But how? What was the journey for you to like get to where you are now? Like, how did you get into being an in, Is art consultant the right word? Art consultant.
1: I really say I'm a business consultant for artists because ah. even though I sell their work, I feel like a true art consultant has a background in the arts and really understands the history of art and can articulate things that I can't. So I'll say I'm an artist representative, um, which is more on the sales front. Cause I really, I know my clients well, like I have very intimate relationships with them because it's their art practice. I mean, it's their life that I have been helping them with. So it's, it's a special relationships I'm able to really pitch them and their work to potential clients. But that said, um the beginning of my company is a great, great story. Uh, Mm -hmm. As I mentioned earlier, my background social justice work and I was I actually stayed home with my kids for 10 years. And one day I was reading my brother's latest script. He's a screenwriter in Hollywood and I was so riveted by it and usually I don't like his work because it's very violent and there's like, you know, I know nothing of interest to me, but I love this script. I just really was enamored with it. And I realized I want to feel that way about my work again. So I found there was a part-time job with a nonprofit film company that was producing short films on social justice issues. So I thought, Oh, perfect. You know, I've been helping my brother out with a few things. I understand a little bit about that industry. And then with my social justice background, I, um, therefore applied for the job and it was this crazy interview process. I mean, I worked at the white house and this was way more intense than that. Wow. And so Long story short, I did not get the position. I found out they were going to pay me $15 an hour, and I was so pissed. And I realized right then and there, okay, I'm going to have to start my own business. So someone told me, well, think about what comes naturally. And that was clearly networking. Like, I didn't have to think twice about it. So I was in the pool one day and I realized I had all these friends starting businesses and they just wanted to focus on their area of expertise, whether it was cooking or yoga or whatever it was. And I thought, oh, maybe I can help get them clients. So I was interviewing a bunch of solopreneurs over the course of a few months. And our neighbor, who's a very famous artist, asked if he could use my boys as models so Mm. i said sure so he came over with his lights and props and you know two hours later i was like what's this for and he said well i've been asked to do the to submit for the white house christmas ornament so i thought cool i want my kids on the white house christmas ornament
0: yeah sounds awesome so
1: we had to go to his studio and um he said, I need to submit a description. What do you think of this? And I read it and I said, it's terrible. Uh, why don't you let me rewrite it for you? Because I want my kids on the White House Christmas ornament. <laughs> so I started thinking, do artists need help with strategic planning and project management and research oh. and writing? And I went down to talk to him about it. And before I said a word, he said, I've been thinking I want you to represent me. And I was like, what? Like, I don't know anything about art, like, why? And he basically talked me into it. He was like, look at your art collection, look at your interest in design, look at your skill set. And I was like, what art collection? Like, it never even occurred to me that we had an art collection, but we have a fabulous art collection. I just never thought of it that way. So I started working with him, and I shared with all the people helping me to figure out my business what I was doing, and I got two more clients. I got my friend's son and my friend's friend. And I decided, okay, I'm just going to focus on artists and see what happens. So here we are nearly six years later. And I've helped, like I said, I think 125 folks now.
0: Did he get on the White House ornament? Did your kids no. get on it? Oh. <laughs> but
1: they did, they did buy the painting. So it is in their inventory. So consolation prize.
0: That is a good consolation prize. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. So it's like while you were looking for something new to do that you really cared about, it you just this fell on your lap. Like it just kinda came to you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I had been kind of doing some research for a while about different, you know like a lot of skill assessment things and just trying to figure out how to have a flexible job because I needed that for family life. Um, So I I struggled a long time to come up with it. And then I just really remained open to different opportunities and said yes to everything. (laughs) I just decided I'm just going to try it and see what happens.
0: I think were you interested in art in general before all this, or was it just like you, it was purely your business sensibilities, and you re, and you found that artists needed the help the most?
1: No, definitely. Like I said, I mean, we've been collecting art for years. I have a serious interest in design. Like I love. I, I think if you know, next time I want to like be a designer. <laughs> I'm kind of just fascinated <laughs> by, right. I'm just kind of fascinated by design and anything. Geometric. I just love. But I got a client once. This was so funny. I t- took a picture um, of a work and said, "I just love anything colorful and geometric." And he saw that on Facebook and he said, "Well, then you'll love my work." And we wound up working together, which was hilarious. That's
0: so crazy. It's like, who would have thought off of, of sign just like that? Silly little Facebook post.
1: Right. Right. Well, I get a lot of clients off social media. Because like you read that one snippet from one of my clients or I'll post about different sales I've made. So it's good for me too.
0: So you you said you're working at the White House. Is that where you were doing social justice work?
1: Right. One of the places, um, President Clinton had a special initiative on race issues for a year. So I was on the outreach arm of that. And from there, I was asked to stay on and write his book on race issues with a Harvard law professor that was heading that up, which no one ever heard about because of Monica Lewinsky.
0: Oh. <laughs>
1: right. So that kind of sidelined all our efforts.
0: Oh, whoa. Wait, so what happened with that case? So Monica came in and the book just got erased. It was just like, no, nope, Goodbye.
1: Yeah. In fact, the day I left was the day he got impeached because it oh. just all efforts were dedicated towards, you know, squashing that story.
0: Oh, man. That's wild. But it, yeah. that, how, how interesting is that to go from the White House to helping artists? Like, it, it, In my mind, in, in every artist in D.C.'s mind, it's like anyone who works at the White House has literally no idea what art even is. Like you're just <laughs> type A square regular person.
1: Well, I did a couple of things in between then and starting my business. But really, you know, I think people have different skill sets and especially now with COVID, like you, people are really going to have to assess what they're good at and potentially bring it to a new sphere.
0: Mm, I think that's important. I think COVID has given people a big opportunity to really reflect and to realize that they're not happy with their old positions. I feel like I see more and more people becoming content creators, uh, starting their own businesses and, and, and things like that.
1: Totally, totally. And it can be successful in that right as well.
0: Mm. Wow. So you make it sound so simple how you became an art business Consultant, I, I, I mixed what you said you live yourself as, but that's really fascinating how that happened.
1: Thank you. I mean, it wasn't simple. I learned a lot along the way. I mean, I've been taken advantage of by certain professionals in the industry, like any other industry. So I think that, you know, it's all a learning process and I'm still learning every day, whether it's from my clients. I mean, I didn't know the difference between a poster and a print. So, you know, I learned all sorts of things and it's been wonderful because I'm very transparent with my clients and so they know what I do and what I won't do. And they're happy to teach me about different things as well.
0: Yeah, right. It's like, you, it's like with what you do, you could still not know anything about art and still be helpful, but luckily you do know something Right. right. You pro- probably a lot. You know, a lot, you know, a lot. I'm, you know I'm going to say I guess probably know a lot, but like.
1: Yeah, but I'm not like well-versed in art history or something. But what I know the most about is the artist and why they do what they do and how they do it. And so I'm able to um, share their work with the world too.
0: Mm. You know, I always find it so fascinating, like how what you've done in your life, it becomes like an amalgamation of helping you with the new thing you're doing in life. Like for example, with this podcast, like I went to school for audio engineering, I had a radio show. And then years later I started making YouTube channel. And then finally I put it all together to starting a podcast. And what do you know? I know how to set up my microphones and have my audio, then edit it and then how to talk to people and interview. And it's like the same with you, how maybe you're uh, more businessy, like uh, White House life in DC and talking to these people with serious money, like who can actually invest into art and, and making that sort of parallel connection with the people who never are in those circles has have kind of helped you be successful in that field.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think for everyone, you know, you build your skills throughout your life. And so it's a matter of tapping into them when they're needed and paying attention to what you need to learn yourself if you're driven to do that.
0: Well, I think in a lot of ways what's unique about you is that you have this unique access to the how do I say the the rich people of DC. Like you you you've you've been in those circles and you know how to talk to them in a way that is effective and you're in those worlds and you know how to navigate those worlds and connect, you know, the artists on the streets with the higher up sort of echelons of DC collectors who have the real money because I've talked to other gallerists and curators who don't know what that world even looks like or how to approach that world, but you bring that sort of special skill set to what you're doing.
1: Well, I think at the end of the day, I just approach it that they're just people too. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have their interests and their idiosyncrasies. And I really, you know, don't necessarily just work with wealthy people. I mean, I have some clients that are very wealthy. In fact, there was a nonprofit, um, that, opened up called stable a few years ago and i wanted to help them raise money and so i had six of my clients over to my home so they could hear from the founders of stable and hopefully donate some money which they did um so people buy art even if they don't have a lot of money like i don't think that it's just the wealthy that I target I mean a lot of people there's all sorts of payment plans now and opportunities for um, doing that. Um, there's companies now that do that online, so it's helpful for everybody.
0: Well, I'm not saying that you know how to talk to those. I'm saying like you' you know how to connect with the people yeah. who who like are or more affluent or or who are right. more I'm not like intimidated
1: by anyone, really. I mean. Mm-hmm. After some of the places I've worked, I just like I said, I'm happy to ask anyone for anything, really, because all they're gonna do is say no. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst thing that can happen, really, and that's not so bad.
0: Well, it's like the right lingo. It's like it's like you know how to s- not like you know how to say what what they want to hear or what they need to hear to get them interested in what they're doing. As opposed to if it was the artist himself doing it, they might not know how to make that connect to where this person wants that, like. Mm. I'm just saying like, it just seems like when you're an artist in DC and you're operating on like a street level where, you know, you have your close friends and your fandom and you could probably get people to go to your art shows. It seems like to reach the people in DC, to reach the, um, like a higher, more affluent clientele, it seems like a whole different world when you're in that position because I've been there and I've talked to artists and I've talked to artists who are there. Yeah. I'm
1: sometimes invited to things that are pretty high profile. Like exactly last year I was invited to the British ambassador's house to some special dinner. I mean, that was awesome. Or to some of these clubs around town that have special art exhibitions. So I'm also part of a group that's really phenomenal. This was my goal when I started my business um, was to get into a group called Art Table which is professional women in the art. So it's not artists, but it's curators, art consultants, gallerists and the like, people that work in the art arena. And you have to have been in the, the art world for five years and you have to have references and wow. all this. So um, I'm afforded a lot of opportunities through that group to meet, very interesting people and learn more about art and help my clients too. In fact, when COVID hit, I was like, oh my gosh, my clients, like what am I going to do to help them? And one thing I did, which was actually open to the general public, I set up a bunch of Zoom meetings with art professionals. And I mean, I had a woman from Sotheby's and I had an art attorney. I had an art consultant. I had a gallerist, you know, and it was really all through my connections from Art Table.
0: Oh wow, it sounds like like an awesome cult to be a part of.
1: It's awesome. I love it.
0: <laughs> I never I, I feel like I've heard of that. And and so you said it's a group of women who are in the art world?
1: Right, right.
0: And and they all just help you guys just all help each other out.
1: It's more like you I mean, I'm sure it's a networking group, but they do a lot of awesome programs. So, you know, we'll have speakers come in or we'll host events, or they'll do community forums. So there's a lot of different programs. Mm.
0: But, but that's, but that's what I was getting at is the fact that you have like that specialized ability to be in those circles, which I guess is why you're so important is because you have that network and we don't like that is why it's so valuable.
1: Yeah, but I also help my clients look at their network and mm. how their network can help them. In fact, this is hilarious. I had a client who wanted a new website. So I got her a couple of quotes. She thought they were all too expensive. And I said, well, let's think through who you know that might be helpful. And she said, well, my son won an Oscar for working on Black Swan, doing something technological. And I said, I think he could help us with a website.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and did he? Did he?
1: Yes.
0: I bet her website looks amazing.
1: So, you know, sometimes people have someone in their back pocket they're just not thinking about. Another example, I had a client, really phenomenal sculptor, and I was like, why aren't you applying for grants? You could be getting so many great grants. And he said, well, I'm dyslexic. It's a problem for me to write so much. And I said, well, let's think through who you know. And he said, well, my wife is an attorney. And I said, I think she could help us. (laughs)
0: Jesus, it's like you have to connect the dots for them. Oh, my God.
1: Right. So, but that's fun, too. Like, like I said, sometimes something's, like, right in your back pocket, and you just, you're not thinking of it because you're so entrenched in your world.
0: That's so true. I, I mean, you just talked about that. I thought of, like, 30 different people. I was like, oh, my God, why am I not reaching out to them? Like, I'm exactly. thinking about things. Like, I was working. I was like, wait, why haven't I asked them to, like, at least asked for help or, or yeah. asked them to help me with something?
1: But I'll, I mean, I'm just kind of different that way. Like I'm really kind of fearless on that front. So one time, this was so awesome. I met these folks with a commercial real estate firm at an art exhibit that I had organized. And they were interested in one of my clients and they were telling me how much they hated their art consultant in Las Vegas. They just couldn't stand this guy. And I was like, why don't you fire him and hire me?
0: Hey, just so get they to the did.
1: Point. <laughs> in fact, the they they commissioned a triptych from one of my clients, and it was just finished last week. And he's delivering it as soon as they can find the date. But wow. yeah, so I will definitely cross the line and make, you know, any kind of overture to do well by my clients.
0: Ah, you definitely have to. you you probably won't get anyone will probably get anyone life if you don't take some crazy opportunities. like yeah. that's that's such an obvious one right there. It's like fire that dude I'm right here, I'm right. Right here. We've, been, <laughs> we've been we've we've been shown out this whole this whole time, like just hello, like
1: like that's so fun to me. I mean really, at the end of the day, I do my business. I love the artists more than art for sure. Okay. I mean, I love artists. I think they're fascinating people. All these stereotypes about, being flaky and unorganized and all that is just so untrue, and so it it's, is so. It's not fun. true, really. <laughs> <laughs> I just get so much joy in calling one of my clients and telling them if someone's interested in wow. their work, or better yet, that I just sold something for them. Like it's just a blast for me.
0: That is rewarding, right? Like, I can imagine that feeling, Kong, like, "Hey, we got a commission. How much? Five thousand dollars." He's probably in on in the phone in his underwear, just like. Whoa. It's like it's like freaking out. I know I would be. I'd be like, "Oh my god." You know, like that's so right. cool. Yeah, that that sounds very rewarding. Like I can imagine that does sound like extremely satisfying at the end of the day for you.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure.
0: So how long have you been doing all this for?
1: I think it's been 6 years now since I got my first client. In fact, I just got my first, my very first client. I just got him two more commissions. So people are buying art in the era of COVID. That's for sure.
0: So, so you, you've noticed that people are still buying art. Like the art market hasn't really declined much, even among all this crazy shit.
1: Oh, it definitely has declined for sure. Oh, but it has. It has. People are still buying work. I had an interior um, designer contact me, circling back about some stuff one of her clients looked at years ago. Because now you're stuck at home looking at your blank walls. Mm, Uh, I sold a photograph to an art consultant that had a client who several years ago was interested in some work and finally decided to seal the deal.
0: Mm, What do you think about the art market after, I guess all the phases are lifted? Do you think that there's going to be a resurgence? What are your thoughts on that?
1: I've listened to a number of professionals talk about that and I think it'll take quite a while. I think it'll look different, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure like how long it will take for obviously the economy to rebound or for people to invest in art or even buy it for their homes, just to decorate their homes. So I think time will tell, but I definitely am encouraging my clients to increase their inventory, work on the business side. You know, there's things people can be doing now to still market themselves.
0: That's true. I mean, I know personally, I've taken all this time to really reassess my businesses and my websites to be like, okay, when this is over, I want to come out of this like super prepared to do business. Because with all this downtime, if you didn't take advantage of this, I feel really bad for you that you didn't like change your website or update your artist statement or like work on your socials or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, even myself. I mean, I churned, I, I exhausted myself for three months. I was like churning out so many new endeavors to help my clients and i finally thought of one new revenue stream that i can't wait to pursue probably in a year or so but i think it'll be really fun top secret Ah,
0: you knew i was gonna ask you knew i was gonna ask of course you can't say that
1: you'll have to stay tuned to my social media to see what's going on
0: yeah i i I personally can't wait for events to pick back up because that was something i was having so much fun with before COVID. is um especially right before it ended, I put on an event for my buddy, Henry, I produced it uh, under my, under that's the angle. And also for the first time, not being the main artist, a part of it. And it felt so good. Like it was so fun to do that, to produce it, to like have everyone have a great time for him to sell all of his work, you know, make money. And, you know, for the venue that we were at, for them to be successful and for them to be like, Like they loved it so much. They were like, Bruce, can you be, can you manage our art gallery for us? And I was like, you know, I will, you know, like (laughs) I, I can't wait to be able to do events again. Like I'm so excited. so excited to even attend.
1: I'm with it. I just miss seeing the artists in our community and hearing about what they're doing and seeing their work. And so I look forward to it as well.
0: Yeah. Oh God. Like Do you think you're gonna be like scared to go out to eat or like scared to go to events? Even like if it ended tomorrow, like everyone's like, "Oh, back to normal." Like, do you think you're still gonna be kind of like, "Eh, I don't know, I'm gonna wait."
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I have a few underlying health issues, so I do have to be like hyper vigilant. In fact, a couple people have asked me to like do a studio visit or come. There are a couple shows like being put up, and I said I'm happy to organize it, but I won't be there. So if you want to meet with me in a park at a, on a, you know, the opposite side of the bench, opposite side of the bench, I'm happy to do that, but I definitely am not hanging out in a crowd right now.
0: Yeah. Right. It's like the scales of people's fears and worries are so different. Like, like I'm walking on the street, I have no mask or nothing on. I'll like, I'll give you a kiss. But then there's some people who are like going around the sidewalk from me, putting their mask on, like rubbing their hand sanitizer on. Like, I'm like, do I look like I have COVID? Like, do I look like a sickly or something? Like, am I missing something? Right. I don't know. It's 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 just a crazy world, but I'm optimistic personally. I'm like super optimistic that um the world will be a better place once the COVID's lifted.
1: I agree. I definitely think people have got hopefully gotten more in touch with what's really important and what they value and how they want to spend their time and money. And uh yeah, I think in time and if who knows how long, but I think we'll end up on a good in a good place.
0: I mean, I think more than ever, people are more self-aware coming out of this. Like people like when have has the world been put on pause and people have been forced to stay home and just think about their lives? Like even oh, if you didn't yeah. want to, you have to. Like you're forced to be home and be like, Am I happy? What do I enjoy? <laughs> right. I really I really do miss community. I really do I really did take it take it for granted, my friends inviting me out on a Saturday night to just drink some cheap beers like, you know?
1: Yeah, it's funny you say that. Because my last night out, I went to a party with someone I didn't even know someone I helped out in the art front. And she invited me to her birthday party. And there were three artists there, one who I kind of knew, and I didn't know the other two. And they invited me to like, go dancing with them and stuff and I was like no I have to go to bed and now I totally regret that right (laughs) next time I'm going
0: (laughs) I mean even after this weekend for me I found that if I just like instead of just going to sleep just saying yes when someone's in your face inviting you to something just do it right like like just do it you might end up up on a rooftop somewhere laying in a big cuddle puddle (laughs) (laughs) I had a wild (laughs) weekend Yeah, so it's like like you never know. You never know who you might meet that might connect you with someone else. For sure, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, so do you have any sort of like events or any sort of Zoom calls or anything coming up that people could like be a part of?
1: I do actually. um, I just heard about this new platform called Festi, F-E-S-T-I, and I talked to the woman that started it and she wanted me to do a program for them. So I'm going to be doing a talk on the uh, D.C. art scene, as well as, you know, how to go about beginning a collection of art. And that'll be in July sometime. I'm not sure yet. I also am going to be doing a workshop for Artomatic, which, again, is a local art exhibition. It's not juried. It's just open to the public. And that, I believe, will be in August. I think the other things I'm <clears throat> doing are closed to the public. I'm doing a talk for Micah, the art school up in Baltimore. And
0: Wait, Real quick, what is your opinion on the D.C. art scene?
1: I think we have a phenomenal art scene. I think that the one thing missing is we need more journalists writing about the art scene to get more attention from the general public. I so mean, true. I, before I got into my business, I had no idea what was going on here, and it's phenomenal. I mean, it's truly amazing how much talent and the number of exhibitions, and it's wild to me, really. Um, I actually do a talk on that. I was, just spoke at the Hirshhorn in January about all the cool things to do in D.C. outside of the Smithsonian and the galleries, So hopefully, you know, I can give that talk somewhere else once place is open.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah, DC has a surprisingly rich art scene that's not the institutional arts.
1: Totally. It's awesome.
0: And don't even get me started on why the institutional arts don't do anything local. Like, that just blows my mind. It's like, why don't they activate their local surroundings? It's like, Well, some
1: do. I mean, the Phillips collection often hosts a local artist and pairs their work with someone in their collection. Um, I mean, some of the Smithsonian museums have hosted local events for the art community. Like, I think it was just Sam that hosted an event in their atrium. For art table last year, so I mean, I, don't,
0: I mean, I don't know the national the the National Portrait Gallery seems real quick to go collect all the art on the streets, but before all this, I never saw them doing anything for the streets. So it's just kind of ironic sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure if they've
0: done anything or not. Yeah, uh, maybe they should highlight some local artists. You know, we all can't be Van Goghs and Picasso's at, at the beginning. <laughs> like, come on, you guys want to do something cool and and. I'm, and I don't want to um, forget this real quick. And it was something you said earlier that I thought was very important: um, the grants and endowments for artists. I know I'm like completely changing topics here, but um, this is something I find important: is the amount of grants and endowments that are available to artists, but artists don't know about, uh, like, or
1: oh, don't take the time to apply. I mean, even just today or yesterday, came out the notice for the commission. Of Arts and Humanities in DC, they have a program called Art Bank where they buy work from local artists. So people should definitely be applying for that. I mean, there's grant money out there from the commission, and you know, there's so many. I feel like
0: I feel like sorry to cut you off, but I feel like the it's not so much that it's not there, it's that they just don't know about it or know where to access the information.
1: Right. Right. Well, that's why that you have to get involved and, you know, sign up for certain newsletters or with the nonprofits that help out artists. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to learn about these things. Even ask fellow artists, you know, look Mm -hmm. at their CVs and where they got grant money from.
0: Where would you recommend like an artist starting to learn about certain grants and stuff like the Commission of the D.C. Arts? Like, how, where would you recommend this?
1: Yeah, program? the D.C. Commission has a number of grants. There's a newsletter that comes out weekly called East City Art.
0: and East they always City?
1: East City Art. That's probably the number one publication locally for visual artists. Oh, wow. Um, and then also to be a member of the Washington Project for the Arts. They, also put out a lot of information because their whole mission is artists helping artists
0: interesting yeah these are resources that even i've never heard about before
1: because you haven't worked with me
0: ah uh, don't <laughs> worry I'm, I, this whole time i've been thinking about how i'm going to set aside 500 dollars for his consultation
1: honestly i have had people save money for several months in order to work with me and so I do tailor those conversations a little differently. Like I have one guy who, he's a hanger at one of the museums and he really wanted to work with me. And so I, when we did the debrief, I said, I know this is it, so I'm gonna tell you everything and we're gonna, fu- we're gonna figure out people in your network to help you with the different elements. So for example, he needed to redo his artist statement and he said he wasn't a very good writer. So I said, well, I know, you know, this other artist, because whatever we've been talking about, I said, she's an excellent writer, why don't you barter something with her. Mm -hmm. So he contacted her. Not only did she help him with his artist statement, she wanted to do a exhibition with him. So it really turned out to be a great collaboration. Wow. Yeah, it was awesome.
0: That's amazing. I mean, I think it's just important to invest in your knowledge and your education, especially something that could really help you in the long term.
1: Well, and just to ask people to help you. I mean... Very
0: true. Reach out. I
1: think that most folks are willing to help out others that they know to some capacity and so it's important to do.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Danielle, I feel like this feels like a natural resting spot for us. Uh, We've been going for like an hour and a half now. I don't know if you've it? Uh, yeah, I know. I, I it's so good. I, I feel like it's rare that I get to talk to someone like you, as, who operates like more left brain or is it right brain? I don't know, but like opposite of like some bleeding heart artist, you know, it's, it's, it's refreshing.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Well, I enjoy it and I think my clients
0: do too. Awesome. Yeah. Well, those testimonials, I don't think they're lying. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, if anyone wants to get in contact with you or get, get more information, uh, what should they do?
1: Sure. Well, first off, I'm happy to offer a complimentary 15 minute phone session to any of your listeners. And they just need to email me at Danielle, that's D A N I E L L E, at client Clientraiser, C L I E N T R A I S E com. So, Danielle at Clientraiser.com. Or they can just, you know, DM me on Instagram, and we can figure something out.
0: Slide in the DMs. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Danielle, uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you and everyone listening. That's it. That's the angle. You better listen to what she's said this entire time and start saving. All right, guys. Peace out.